From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post Podcast. So, Michael Dracos of Post Media, welcome back to Off the Post. Finally get to talk some hockey with you, John. Yeah, and here we are in a new location. Same building, different floor, new equipment. You were a, uh, a regular guest last year, and now you're making your return. There you go. In-studio guest today. Yes. Which is actually nice. Not from my bureau up in Newmarket, Ontario. <laughs> the Newmarket NHL Bureau. i got to keep tabs on Connor McDavid's parents, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> knock on their door here and there, you know. Run away. Funny See enough, I happens. actually was at their house this summer, so. Oh. Why? For a story? Yeah, just kind of, you know what? I live literally like a walking, I live walking distance away from there, and yet I'd never actually gone to the house. So, uh, so yeah, planning on writing something on Connor and figured I'd talk to his mom and dad and lovely people i got to see where the magic actually started to happen yeah i guess once you have a rapport with them they're not they're not going to turn you away but if you're just a random guy that's not by random i mean a random media member like they might be hesitant to be like hey come over and come into our home the amount of kids and people that have come by that house like they really should move because hearing the stories of like kids dropping off jerseys ken connor autographed this for me and you know what they're, they're really obliging people and it is kind of a neat story because neighbors literally saw him out there practicing yeah. from all hours of the day. So it's one of those kind of, I don't want to say rags to riches, but it does seem believable because who hasn't kind of spent their childhood kind of playing roller hockey in the driveway, just shooting on pucks, like basically go in any suburban or urban area. And that's what you see in Canada. So um you're talking about the best player in the in the world, and I think there is a, a bit of magic when you see kind of where it happens. Yeah, and I've heard, or at least I read once last season, someone did a story on McDavid living in Edmonton and people knowing which condo unit he was in, and they would <laughs> leave dangerous. jerseys and stuff there, <laughs> and he would sign them. Like it, they weren't like sort of bothering him, like hey, right. being all sort of starstruck, but they just would, you know, leave uh, leave a jersey, leave a puck or something, and he would sign it and leave it there. So that's kind of cool. It's kind of like one of those like behind the scenes uh, stories yeah i'm naive enough to the point where i still think that people seeking autographs are literally like hey i actually want your autograph yeah. i want to put it on a wall or something not i want your autograph and i'm gonna throw it on ebay like there's a lot the of them second. out there yeah so uh, i still want to believe that there's enough good people in the world that are just literally their kids just idolizing their heroes and that's that's what i'm gonna believe all right let's get to it so right, let's get to the cynicism johnny yes we're going to do a predictions episode. Uh, we're at the start of training camp, or I should say the start of the preseason, uh, recording this on Tuesday. And I want to go through a few topics. By few, I mean more like 10, so a bunch of topics. Um, and we'll start with Austin Matthews and his year two production. Uh, Mike, do you think 40 goals is attainable for this guy who got 40 goals as a rookie, 29 assists, 69 points? Yeah, I'd say set the bar at 35, and that's a ridiculous bar to set, right? Yep. But I think 35 should be attainable based on what we saw last year, and it's not so much that he scored four goals in the opener. It's that he was, where did he finish, top five in shots last season? Yeah, he was He was like hanging out with the Ovechkins and the Burns of the world. And he didn't play 20 minutes. No, I think he played 18-ish. And he was playing on a line with another rookie, or actually two rookies, in Nylander and uh, Zach Hyman. So factor that in. He's going to get more minutes. Um, he's a little bit 
like it's funny to say like he, he was green last year and yet he got 40 goals but here's a guy i don't think the sophomore slump's going to affect him at all i think if anything um he just got a little bigger a little bit more powerful and a little bit more confident uh going into the season so um i expect nylander to also be better um whether it's hyman or someone else on that wing all they really have to do is dig pucks out of the corner and get it to austin matthews and let him do his magic but um, he should finish again in the top five or top eight in shots four. Um, didn't have a crazy shooting percentage, so it's not like he was doing it, it was, by smoke and mirrors. It was high. It was 14.3. That's pretty high. But it, So it, maybe it drops down to 12. Yeah. Is that reasonable? Probably. Because he, he seems like a guy who has a quick release, and he shoots close to the net. He's not taking these shots from right. far away. So, you know, naturally he's going to have a high shooting percentage. I don't think it'll plummet, but I think, you know, between 10 and 12 is probably – where he's going to end up. But I think there is still room for actually more shots. Um, so we'll see what happens where, there. Where I think the growth is going to happen is on the like is his playmaking ability. Yeah. Um, the better William Nylander gets, and just for a center, uh, I think it was strange that uh, he didn't have maybe more assists last year and that he did have far more goals. Um, so maybe that's where the shift changes. Like maybe he gets somewhere like 37 to – or maybe he gets 42 goals, but his assist number are crazy high, and he, he ends up with something in the neighborhood of 60 assists. Or I guess we're really kind of <laughs> setting the no, bar but, for this guy. But, but it is odd that that he just blew away his assist totals uh, in regards to goals. He, you know, 42, 29, that's kind of a weird stat line. Even really for a goal scorer, it's a little odd, especially as a rookie. So you would think there's some sort of evening out there. I think 70 points is probably... Uh, maybe even more than that in his second year. We'll see. Like, like I think he's. A, I think last he's year a lot a of things went well. Guy. He also played. He was basically healthy the whole year. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he played 82 games. Good point. So yeah, again, there's a lot of variables in play, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was 35, 35, or 35, 40, or 40, 40. Like, yeah, I think he will attain something around 70 points. Yeah, I think if you're a fantasy guy and you're penciling in, I, I'd say. Between seventy to eighty-five points is a, I, I want to say that's I think it's almost reasonable at this stage, just based on what we've seen out of him, not just last year, but uh, also at the World Cup, World Championships, and um, you know I, I, this is coming the day after uh, his first exhibition game um, this season, and what did he have a goal and assist last night? So yeah, he scored top corner on Craig Anderson. It was pretty nice. It's a pretty nice goal. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't look like he's slowing down. That's for sure. Um, and obviously there's the the natural comparison to Patrick Line, who had 36 goals as a rookie, obviously another elite uh, youngster in the league. His his shooting percentage was 17.6, and again, these guys are are sharpshooters. I mean, they're they're going to high, have high shooting percentages, so I expect that to drop, but not plummet. We'll see what happens there. But Line also played with Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler in. Uh, <coughs> In the Jets' first preseason game, let's see if that if that ends up uh, working out long term. Last season, he played with Shifley and Nick Ehlers, so you you factor in the line mates, and I wouldn't be surprised if Line A put up more goals this year. Just I feel like there was a bit of more of a uh, a getting to know period with Line A in the league, right. whereas Matthews, it seemed like he was almost constant throughout the season. I guess he had a goal drought at some point, but Line A seems like second year. He his point totals and his goal scoring will will most likely go up. I would think so. Um, he's playing with Shifley, who really I've kind of almost penciled in as 
Um, if it's not McDavid, if it's not Crosby, I think Shifley could win the Art Ross or at least be top three scoring. Um, so right there, you've got an edge possibly over Matthews in the sense that you've got maybe a stronger line mate um, at this stage in his career. Uh, nothing against William Nylander, but Shifley's just a little yeah. older, no, a little I think bit more fair. developed further along in that curve. Um, and I think, what, he had nine power play goals last year uh, in line A. Maybe he's going to get more than that. Maybe teams are more aware of, hey, we got to take away that one-timer, but I don't think it's one of those things like it's with Ovechkin and Stamkos. It doesn't go away. I think you just, if anything, you just you just keep getting uh, goals in that regard. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I tend to think that line is going to be the better goal scorer when all is said and done than Austin Matthews simply because he's a winger, simply because that's what his number one objective is, is to score goals where Matthews are looking at more of a two-way game. Yeah. Um, he's a center. He's going to be playing with guys who possibly are better, or not better snipers, but you want to feed the puck to. So um, I, I'm thinking 40 goals for line A. Um, I'm thinking possibly he's going to be your Rocket Richard winner this year. Okay. There's your our first prediction. Our first award prediction. And by the way, so <laughs> feel free to burn this uh, podcast <laughs> and don't remind me about it in come April. A guy that um, a lot of people were down on last year coming into the season John Tortorella ends up being a finalist for the the Jack Adams so for our second topic I want to ask you whose stock is low right now that you think has a redemption story in their pocket who do you think nobody is talking about or is particularly hating on for whatever reason who could easily sort of fly under the radar and at the end of the season this could be a player a team a line whatever um, at the end of the season you know they're they're proving people wrong you know what? I'm going to go to Florida. Um, I think there's a lot of stories out of Florida, whether it's Aaron Eckblad, um, whether it's uh, Alexander Barkov, or I'm going to say Bob Bootner, uh, their head coach, uh, going into the season. I think a lot of people are downplaying what the Florida Panthers used to be and what they still can be uh, with that immense of uh, young talent. Now, there are question marks on the back end um, uh, in terms of whether they have the right pieces there that all fit together, but I really like uh, what a healthy Aaron Eckblad can bring to that team. And I'm just kind of curious to see uh, whether that's a team that can make a jump. And when we're talking about people or teams that uh, we're not talking a lot about, I don't know how many people actually have the Florida Panthers penciled in for a playoff their, spot. Their stock is very low right now. If you want to buy Panthers, <laughs> if you're high on the Panthers, buy their stock because no one else is buying it. Maybe it's justifiable, but if there's a team that I could say, okay, that's your surprise dark horse team yep. of the East, I think it's the Panthers and if they make the playoffs, Bob Bugner seems like a, a lock um, that he'd be in the um, Jack Adams conversation. Well, I will, I will say to your uh, Panthers uh, shtick that they play in the Atlantic, and the Atlantic is a, a weak division, at least by comparison to the to the Metro. I'm not anymore, though. But, okay, so the Bruins, the Canadians, the Leafs, the Lightning – Maybe I'll talk myself out of this. That's that's four teams that may be better. I'm expecting so. something out of Buffalo this year. Okay. I don't know if it's a playoff spot, but I'm expecting them. Like a healthy Jack Eichel, I think, raises their point total last year by five, maybe ten points. But I, I, I guess the, the Panthers concern me. And, like, I don't think last year was what they, what they really are. There was a lot of messy uh, politics and... I don't know. It was just a disaster of a year. Well documented. Team philosophy was all scattered last year. So I think it's fair to give them a clean slate, especially with Bob Bugner coming in and yeah. bringing on his own uh, coaching staff. Um, but they're losing Jonathan Margisol. 
They're losing Riley Smith, losing UC Okun, losing Jason Damaris, who they just traded for Jamie McGinn to, to Arizona. Even Yager. Yeah, Yager. Um, Owen Tippett. me out of it now. But, but on, the, on, the, on the bright side, yeah, we're like going back and forth here. On the bright side, Owen Tippett might make the team, and he has possibility. Like, we'll see what happens there. Evgeny Dadanov from K- the KHL, they right. seem high on him. We'll see what he produces. And they also brought in Redeem Verbata, who's uh, always good for 20 goals. So, I don't know. Um, who, do you, uh, who do you got in yeah. terms of your like? Who, who should we buy be buying stock of today, John? Well, I'm thinking the Winnipeg Jets are are, and we sort of talked about Line A before. Um, people are excited about Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, and Canada, but I think Winnipeg, on paper, actually has a pretty good team, a sneaky good team. Um, the only issue is the goaltending. If that holds up, um, although they play in the Central, so that's difficult, but. Uh, Maurice and Shovel Dayoff recently extended. I didn't think it was the smartest move by the organization, but whatever. Their jobs are safe, so you would think that they're going to operate under normal circumstances. I just I look at their forward group of Shifley, Line A, Ehlers, Wheeler, Little, Perot. Probably going to see a bit of Kyle Connor this year and Jack Rosovic possibly as well. Their defense is probably middle of the pack. Buff- Bufflin, Truba, Myers, Morrissey. Uh, really, it comes down to Steve Mason and the young kids. Uh, yeah, like back in. Like, on, on paper, if you forget the goalie, that's a playoff team. But you if, can't forget them. No, I know. I'm just saying. But but at the same time, like there's a Steve there's a Steve Mason redemption story possibly. He seems like a every other year kind of guy almost. Exactly. So maybe this is the year. And then another team that I had uh, written down was the LA Kings because everyone's writing them off. Um, too old, too slow. Right? Exactly, <laughs> which I which I agree with, but I think it's they're an intriguing team, a fascinating team because you know when when do they decide that this is just not going to work, and when do they and and it's tough, right? Because uh, the Kopitars, Doughty's, Brown, Carter, right. Gabrick, Toffoli, Martinez, Quick, like all these guys are expensive and not exactly young. Um, uh, Toffoli's the youngest, I guess, but like, what are they going to do? Because you know that th- this window that they had, these two cups that they won, they thought that that would they would be able to stretch that further, but they've sort of hit a wall here where Brad Stevens is coming in, or sorry, John Stevens John is coming Stevens, in, yeah. wrong, uh, wrong sport, and uh, they didn't miss. Well, they missed by. I was gonna say they didn't miss by much, but they actually did. I don't know. I uh, LA is a, is a weird one. Uh, John Stevens was the assistant coach, so is he bringing in a totally different style? Yeah, I know. It's. It really is difficult. Uh, but people I, are really down on him. Is I guess my point is that, um, you know, Kopitar had a terrible year last year. I don't expect mm-hmm. the same from him. Um, Quick was injured, but then they had great goaltending while, <laughs> while he was gone. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't go so far to say that I'm like calling them a dark horse or anything, but um, everyone's writing them off, and I think that they're probably better than, I don't know. I think they can probably challenge for a playoff spot and that alone would be a pretty big accomplishment i honestly think it'll be them winnipeg uh calgary and uh for that final spot and what we're probably gonna you know what i would love uh love if arizona actually took a huge step i I think when we're talking about teams that people aren't even considering and it's not a sexy team but they've got so many interesting rookies whether it's clayton keller or uh dylan strom um even like even the guys that are in their second year, like Lawson Krause and uh, 
uh, Dvorak and the other young kids like Domi. Like they're a fun team. I, I think they are going to be interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to see what Derek Stepan looks like in, in a Coyotes yep. uniform. And it, it will be interesting to see if they can actually um, be more than just um, battling it out for uh, last spot with Colorado. Um, so, well, that was the next topic. Was worst team in the NHL? Who finishes with the lowest point total? And I had. Back from the dead. That was the, my top category. I say the Coyotes and the Sabers are out of this, out of this bottom feeder conversation. Right. Um, Coyotes, you laid out pretty well, and also Anti Ranta and Jalmerson add to that team. They're basically a new team. Last year, they weren't. <laughs> you could argue they weren't. They were barely an NHL team by uh, on some nights, but I they're think they're better than Vancouver. No, I'll, I'll I'll say they're they're in like the 25, uh, 23 range, somewhere in there, um, mid twenties. But uh, I'd say other bottom feeders are Vegas, New Jersey, Detroit, mm-hmm. Vancouver, and my winner for uh, my prediction for worst team in the league is probably Colorado. Yeah, I can't argue Colorado is going to be just god-awful to watch this year. And the longer this Matt Duchesne uh, saga drags on, I know we're going to touch on that after this, but uh, that's part of it. The other part is they just it seems like Edmonton's problem uh, from a few years ago where they have a lot of interesting pieces on the surface or individually it's just they don't work together and um it's not really a cohesive team so part of that might be joe sackick uh part of that might be the coaching uh i don't know what's going on it might have been that they fooled everyone um and defied analytics for so many years that it's all come to the forefront right now but yeah they're awful um vegas i can't imagine that they'd be much better um and yet what do you expect of an expansion yeah I think they'll be 29, 30, 31, Vegas. Yeah. Like, I don't think that their ceiling is probably 28 Detroit, in the league. Detroit's another team, though. Like, I could see them completely yeah. being terrible because it, their best players are really old right now. And then they're, they're eating up all the cap space. aren't that great. No. Like, they're good, but they're not. They don't have Matthews out there. No. Um, with the Avs, a couple factors. They play in the Central. They're just going to get obliterated in that division. Good point. They're by far the worst team in that division. Uh, they also have so far to go. They're 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 starting from the bottom at this point, um, and they just happen to have Nathan McKinnon, uh, Matt Duchesne, you know Tyson Jost, um, Miko Rantanen. Like they have they have these young guys that that you would hope would would be sort of the cornerstones, but you just don't know if if everything is going to come together because it seemed like such a toxic year, and then like you alluded to, Matt Duchesne. Uh, you know, the, the training camp media coverage of him uh, has sh- really shown that he's disgruntled, uh, that he is he, he has come out and said, like, the only reason I'm at training camp is for the my teammates and for the fans. And, you know, you read between the lines and he's waiting for a trade, essentially. So um, when your offseason highlights were getting Colin Wilson and Neil Yakupov and you're already the worst team in the league, that's that's trouble. So I think the Avs are are an obvious choice for at least 30th overall. But I would say 31st if I were to put some money down. Right. So with Duchesne, though, do you have uh, any inklings where he may end up or where he might be a good fit? I mean, I guess he'd be a good fit on any team. He's a quality yeah, player. I think either Carolina or uh, Nashville. Uh, Nashville losing um, James Neal uh, robs them of a guy that was playing on the power play, was sniping at some point, um, maybe not as much as the team had uh, been expected in recent years, but uh, the, those two are seem to be like the, the most obvious landing spots. Another one might be Montreal, uh, just because we don't know what Duran's going to look like at center. 
uh, even with Joanne's a center, you could use an extra guy, uh, an extra body there. And, um, yeah, that, that would really solve a lot of problems in Montreal. It's just the, the price seems to be not realistic as to what the market uh, is. And with really the player holding, or I don't know, the leverage doesn't seem like uh, in Colorado's hands. Like you either got a guy that doesn't want to play for you. And if he does play, he's not going to offer you anything. And um, you can keep him there and you just basically keep him there unhappy or you can try to move him and um, neither one seems to be um, happening as soon as it probably should. So, well, it's been dragging uh, on, right? This isn't something really, that'll have happened overnight. And I think it happened two years ago, really. Yeah, Sakic seemed to miss his window where he could have. It's hard trading those big guys, though. Like I know, because the teams that want them don't have the cap space, or they yeah. don't want to give up whatever's in their system. It would have been great if they had traded him for PK Subban. <laughs> that would have been fun. But I don't know if Montreal would have done that. Like, I don't know. There's rumors there, but. It would be interesting. I don't know. The longer this goes on, it's just not fair to the player, and I, I really don't think it's fair to the av- the other guys in the, the dressing room where they're just looking going, geez, we want to start developing. We want to make a step. And, you know, we got this guy that's almost like an anchor. So if you're not going to trade him, don't have him at camp. How much leash do you give Joe Sackick if you're, uh, if you're Av's ownership um, looking? Because it's been – it's been a pretty rough road for him as GM, and I understand he's a legend. I understand he is – I don't know if his number is retired, but I would assume his number is retired. Like, this is a guy who can walk in, and right. he's he's basically a god. But, I mean, it's, it's – well, He's turned... never done this before. And, and this yeah, is well, hard work, right, like to, to pull off big trades like this. And, you know, you think of his contemporaries. Like, Ron Francis is a guy who was around when he played. Like, they're around the same age. He's done well in Carolina. Eiserman. Steve Eiserman's done done very well in uh, in Tampa Bay. Like maybe they just need to cut their losses at some point because you know we had Patrick Wall in and then Jared Bednar. I'm not sure if that's going to work out. Like I, you can only go through so many coaches when right. eventually the fall guy is is the GM. That's tough. He really needs. Uh, I don't know. Did he have that a kind of apprenticeship that Eiserman had where you're learning under Ken Holland? But... <sighs> maybe a year or yeah. so. I don't. If anything, remember. he needs to bring in another guy. Like it almost. Like the Leafs are smart in the sense that they had Kyle Dubas and they had Mark Hunter, but then they said, you know what, these are two smart minds. Let's get a third guy in yeah. here, and they brought Lou Lamorello, and it seems to be working. So I don't know why Colorado isn't kind of doing something similar and bringing an experienced uh, person in there that, A, knows how to make a hockey trade, or B, kind of just says, listen, for the good of the organization, we have to cut our losses at some point. That hasn't happened, and... Until it happens, I don't think Colorado's in a stage where you can say, okay, well, now they're on track to uh, rebuilding towards something. Right now, they're just kind of in flux. Yeah, imagine they didn't have the McKinnons uh, of the world and the Rantanens and Joes. Right. Like, they would be an absolute – they'd be like they'd be like as bad as the Buffalo Sabres 2014-15, uh, I think it was, when they were tanking for McDavid and they were historically bad. Like, the Avs just – they can't find their footing on, on any level at this point. Yeah, and, and even looking ahead to next season's uh, draft, like we don't know what guys are going to bring, but it, it, I haven't heard generational talent yet. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin is supposed, yeah. supposed to be potential number one defenseman. So Yeah, it's either him or... Uh, Evgeny uh, Sheshnikov. Yeah, who's played in Barry. Who I kind of want to check out just to see uh, what he looks like. But yeah, it, it's difficult. Um, I don't think there's, like I said, uh, those guys look like they're going to be good players and potentially better than what we saw to this year's draft class, but uh, uh, are they the, the kind of guys where you get a doll in and he completely revamps your team? Well, it might be even too much to ask. 
All right, let's talk about Vegas. I all right. I'm surprised that their roster looks very similar to their expansion roster. They Too have many bodies. You mean? Well, there's that, and I just went after the expansion draft. I'm going okay. This is fine if this is you know what you're starting with, but we'll see in September. I'm sure September the roster will look much different, but it doesn't really look much different. And I want to ask you about who you think the Golden Knights will have leading their scoring leading who, who's gonna be atop their scoring leaderboard um and it's kind of slim pickings to be honest yeah it really is either jonathan marcia show um james neal the one guy i'm kind of intrigued i don't know if he's going to be their leading scorer but i i am kind of intrigued to see potentially could is vadim shipachov <laughs> yeah i think you, <laughs> no, i think got the name right. at least at least close to the name <laughs> i was calling the Russian Crosby, as uh, I think Malkin <laughs> dubbed him, because he wears number 87 and um, same birth year as those guys. But, yeah, you're the guy who's undrafted in the NHL, um, 30 years old right now, and six feet tall, 187 pounds. So he's not the biggest guy, not the smallest guy, but t- has been tearing it up in the KHL. And uh, last year at 26 goals and 76 points in 50 games, which is a ton of points in that league. And... The track record, when you're looking at Russians coming over here, it's pretty good. Um, like last year, we saw Radulov come in. Um, granted, he had played in North America, yeah. both in the Q and in with Nashville. But um, it's not just Radulov. Like Zaitsev came in as an older guy, had success. Uh, we saw Panarin come in as an older guy, have success. So there's no reason to think that um, Vadim Shipachov cannot come in, and he's going to get the opportunity. Um, maybe he makes a huge splash. Maybe he leads his team in scoring. And to lead a team like Vegas in scoring might not take much. Maybe it's only 20-some-odd goals and um, somewhere around like the low 60s in points. Yeah, I mean, I think teams have figured out how to, how to attract or how to bring over KHL players and which ones are going to work out, which ones aren't. Because I feel like the success rate is pretty high as you as – you, Sort of went through the guys. They're being patient now. They're saying, like, listen, we draft you. um, Stay over there. Get all your developing in. And when you get bored with the league and you think you're ready for that jump, then come over versus come over right away. You kind of fail. We threaten the AHL on you. And you say, oh, I'm going back to Russia. Like, (laughs) that that wasn't, that's not a model for success. Um, So at least here, they know that they're coming over and they're going to get a legit uh, chance and that they're actually developed as hockey players. And, uh, it seems to be working. The only guy I would throw in there is Riley Smith, but yeah, and maybe maybe their draft picks, but I don't know. Cody Glass, Nick Suzuki. I, well, I, I think one of them will make the team. I would he think. Did, yeah. I would think just based yeah. on their roster. Cody Glass is very skinny. Like I like him, but he seems like Mark Shifley when he yeah, was he's stringy. You you want him? I talked to Dale Howardchuk about Mark Shifley, and they said you don't. It's impossible to score or expect the guy to score ninety to one hundred points in the NHL if he hasn't done it and done more at the junior Fair. level. Yep. And the Leafs took a same approach with Marner. Like, you have to know how to dominate at a level and know what that feels like and know what it is to be expected uh, to be that guy at the NHL level. So if Vegas is smart regarding Cody Glass. They will leave him um, in the dub and say, dominate, 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 to the point where you're almost bored of this league, then come over. Now, they might not do that, and if they don't, then we'll, we'll see what happens with his development. But... I hope that teams are just being a little bit more patient these days. Well, I guess, I mean, they can't they can't be looking, George McPhee and his management group can't be looking at that team and going, you know, we're going to try to, you know, push the envelope this year. Like, as it stands now, I'm sure they're thinking, 
ahead to 2018 well, what's, drafts. What's the honeymoon like, in Vegas? Like, is it similar to Winnipeg, or do you? It's shorter, shorter than Winnipeg window. for you sure. Have a shorter window, right? Yeah, a couple of years before people get antsy, I would think. So first year, team people are just excited. There's a new product in town. Blah blah blah. Um, you're gonna get all the transplants and all the people visiting there are gonna see their favorite teams. You're gonna love that. You're just gonna ride that momentum. Year two, probably have to start showing some growth. Year three, make the playoffs. Is that how it works? Probably. Yeah. With so let's say, um, you know, Shipashev ends up being the leading scorer. Is he the MVP of the team, or do you think a guy like Mark Andre Fleury or Shea Theodore uh, ends up being their best player? Yeah, I think it's going to be Fleury. Um, it's probably going to be similar to what he experienced his first couple years in Pittsburgh, where um, he's not going to get a whole lot of support, but he's still going to have that smile on his face, and I think he's going to be the guy that you bring out on a daily basis to kind of sell the product around town, and uh, I think happily he'll do that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be... It's gonna be a hard road. Like, I like it's exciting because even you Winnipeg don't... had like players when they first came in the yeah, league. Yeah, right? I know, like, and they, they still had struggled. Bufflin, Lad, Wheeler. They, they had a number. They had Evander Kane. I mean, Atlanta was kind of a disaster, but yes, they you're still right. had name players at least. Like here, James Neal is your top guy, and even on Nashville, he was almost uh, to the point where he was on the third line. Yeah, at night, well, so. he's getting older, right? Totally. Um, yeah, I have a hard time getting too excited about Vegas and the roster, but. There's something about expansion teams where until they're they're out there, you don't truly know how bad or how mediocre or how okay they'll be. So we'll see. They will look good though. Like, oh yeah, I like those the, jerseys. The jerseys are, are pretty nice. I like. I saw them. some sort of logo rankings. I forget where it was. I think on the score, and they had Vegas's logos. And this is like a historical ranking of NHL logos. It was like 95th or something. It was like super super I low. With that. I like it. Yeah, I'm. I think I, the kids like it. It's kind of flashy, right? Yeah. Reminds me of almost like, not quite the world, Team North America at the World Cup, but it was like so different. There's a bit of a dark like element to it. I talked to a lot of the players and not just guys that are playing for Vegas, but a lot of the young kids going to the league, they're like, I asked them, like, what are your thoughts on Vegas? And right away they said, oh, the cool jerseys, like cool unis. And I'm like, okay. Kids, <laughs> that's <laughs> the kids don't know what they want to know. Yeah. Like, man. So I'm sure they did a ton of research. Um, oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah. And speaking of research on uh, Vegas-related topics, what do you think is going to be a bigger dis- distraction? John Tavares' contract or the Vegas nightlife? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Because that's a, probably a fair question. the Vegas nightlife is going to be a distraction? Or well, is that kind of overblown? Like, I, like can... I'm more asking you because my answer to that is... You know, there's Chicago, there's New York, there's Toronto. These are there's big cities. There's Nashville. These are big party cities that already exist. You can get in a lot of trouble there. With Vegas, maybe, maybe like like five percent. You know, more more dangerous or more risky. But like, it's 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 minimal the the change. Yeah, I, the problem with Vegas, well, not the problem. The best part of Vegas is the hotels, right? So right away, if you're a player you're staying over there, you're, you're in some awesome hotel with crazy restaurants um gambling is literally out as soon as you walk into that city so i think that's the distraction john Tavares' contract i don't think it's going to be that big of a distraction so i threw two topics out there and you think neither how about oh i think vegas is going to be a little bit more distracting but i don't think i think it also is a bit overblown um like like you said you can get in trouble basically in any city and i was in nashville a lot during the playoffs 
I was surprised at how much of a nightlife there is there. And Mm -hmm. you see players constantly going, walking to and from the bars at night and you can get in trouble anywhere. Let's face it anywhere. But yeah, I think the Vegas nightlife will be somewhat of a distraction, especially since it's still new. Yeah. Like the only time players really go there is on their own for vacation or the awards for the awards. And, Based on the awards, they have a lot of fun there. <laughs> but um, that's the end of the season. Yeah, so. I'm curious to see like what teams do to kind of prevent that. Are they going to install or in, put in a some... Vegas only curfew? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Are you maybe not allowed These... to gamble? Like that's the problem. Is like you don't want guys being there at all night hours of night gambling, and the next day going, I can't believe I blew all that money, and it's kind of weighing on. Like you know how it is. Yeah. I lose fifty bucks at the casino, and I'm like, <laughs> my whole week is just shot. <laughs> I feel like such a loser. What am I going to tell the wife? How exactly. am I going to play this? These guys could lose 50 grand easily in a night. And does that affect their play? Do they get kind of PO'd on that? All right. Third possible distraction. Where do you rank this on, on the hierarchy? Habs number one center, which seems to be Druin right now. But Galchenyuk, it seems like that, that topic will never die. They said he's a, a winger right now, but we'll see. Like this whole Habs number one center has been going on for years. And now... You have Druin thrown in the mix. Is this the the answer, or is he sort of a number two? Is he a winger? I don't know. Yeah, I, those comments about Galchenyuk were so hard. I know they're mean. <laughs> the meanest thing. Ever. Like, are you going to trade this guy, or uh, is he going to be on your team? Why are you burying him? At some point, I thought, oh, they're just doing that to light a fire. That's all they're doing. This is a way to motivate him. But then I was like, yeah, this seems like a weird two years way to later. Guy. Yeah, they're like two years later. We know what we have with this guy, and it's obviously not a center. It's like. Jesus, man, like, you don't talk about your enemies that way. So, I don't know. I don't know if Duran's necessarily um, going to be a better option. Um, he's small. And how many small centers do we – like, how many smaller-sized centers are there around the NHL that are very successful like that, that are built like Jonathan Duran? Like, I can't even think of really any off the top of my they're head. Most, they're mostly on the wing, the they're little guys, the, the Goudreaux. Yeah. And... So, it, it will be interesting to see what happens there because – if it's not Drew and you have to go back to Galchenyuk, is that sort of an awkward situation? Ideally, it's really hard to do this with a player. I think you have to find a natural center either in the draft or trade for one um, to convert a guy that's a that's been a winger basically since he entered the NHL. That's a lot to ask, especially for someone who's still developing in the NHL and now he's got to go back to his hometown basically and uh, prove that he's not um, – that he that he's above sort of the pressures that come with that. All right, next topic, next prediction. Coaches on the hot seat. Um, someone's going to get fired. At least one person. <laughs> so in... mean. <laughs> Let's Season face hasn't it. Even started. I'm pretty sure last year that it was like an abnormally high amount of guys got fired, if I remember correctly. Um, there's possibilities like Bednar in Colorado, just because Colorado is kind of a, a gong show. Um right. Elaine Vignon in New York because the expectations are probably higher than they should be with Hendrik Lundqvist getting older. Uh, Blasio in Detroit. I don't really necessarily think um, Holland doesn't dis- like dislike somebody. Might be the fall guy because Holland right. doesn't want to lose his job. Um, is there someone else there? Like who, who do you think is sort of you know flailing in the in the in the air right now? Well, it's a team that. You'd think a, a team that has a bit of expectations would um, can their coach if, if things aren't working right. And I don't know. Like you mentioned L.A. Uh, a little while ago uh, as a team that you think could make some noise. And you really, the, the, 
the window is sort of closing on when they can still win another cup. And, you know, John Stevens, he doesn't come in with a whole lot of fanfare because they didn't have Jeff to hire him outright. It right. was basically a promotion saying, okay, instead of standing here on the bench, come over a couple steps and now you're head coach again. So I could see him possibly being in the in the crosshairs. Uh, as for another one, you know, it's like the teams that want to take steps, they already made kind of moves. Like Buffalo, they hired Housley. Um, yep. Dallas, they, they, they got Hitchcock. So um, San Jose, I don't think they're going to go uh, away from DeBoer. He's such a well-liked guy in their room. Uh, Anaheim with Carlisle um, after what he did last season. They got to be happy with him. They got to be happy. So um, do you, it will be difficult. Uh, there's not a whole lot of guys, even if with the, the Islanders, with Doug Waite, like he was hired midseason last year, and he's so popular in the room right now. So maybe Aline Vignon, and yet he's been there for so long. And again, such a great player's coach. I don't see him with a, a short kind of shelf life, um, one of those kind of deals. And yeah, then Maurice would be the guy originally. If he I, would add. <laughs> I mean, an extension doesn't mean you can't be fired, but oh, it, it's it, kind of weird, though, isn't it? Yeah, they. I, I believe. I hope I'm not wrong in this, but I believe Chevaldeoff and Maurice both got three year extensions. Like they yeah. weren't they weren't one year deals where it's like, okay, we'll get rid of them. Right, a one year deal is almost like a kiss of death. Yeah. So a three year deal, I'd be really shocked. Like it would have to take Winnipeg to come out of the gate like really. Like stuck two, in last place. Yeah, like, like two and 20 or something. Yeah, they'd have to be the Jays of the NHL yeah. in terms of their start. So, I don't know. Who do you think? Like, It's a weird year. I, w- I was, yeah. And maybe it's a cyclical thing where if a lot of change happens last year or in the offseason, then, like, what is there left to change? Um, maybe Boston? Yeah. Boston's, they're sort of a bubble team in regards to the playoffs. And another team that, that sort of losing their grasp on on the glory years with the Charas and and the Bergerons and that that core. The other thing is there's not really anyone out there. Like had Claude Julien not been hired by Montreal last year and you're saying, "Hey, there's this Hall of Fame type coach out there." Um that usually kind of spurs teams on. Like it was Boston fired uh, Julien and it was like Montreal's going, "Oh, you know what? This yeah. is might as well Let's jump on this opportunity, right? <laughs> I don't see it. does it. happen, right? Yeah, so there's no, there's not that kind of flashy coach out there. Like, had Hitchcock maybe not been hired by Dallas, yeah. and you'd go, okay, well, if Team X, if, if Chicago's not going in the right direction, maybe it's time to move on from Q, and we got Hitch just waiting there. But um, right now, you'd have to fire a coach and bring in either your AHL coach or um, that, that young kind of up-and-coming coach. The so, Sheldon Keefe's of yeah. the world. So, I, I don't know. Um, well, another new guy is Travis Green in the in the Canucks organization. Clearly, he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. No. You kind of go around the league, and you're like, this guy's been there, like, Bugner in Florida. That's another new guy. There's a lot of changeover. Yeah, and you're probably right. Like, we just saw so much change in the last two years where, uh, like, yeah, Ottawa, if they come out stinking, like, you're not moving on from your the coach that <laughs> was so good last yeah. year. Yeah. Um, and same thing with Pittsburgh. It's like, you went back-to-back cups, I think. That buys you at least a year for Mike Sullivan. All right. New topic. Um, there's a few teams who made the playoffs last year who I think are questionable for this year. So I want to get your take on if they'll make it. Um, maybe three out of four make it. Maybe two out of four. Maybe none. Um, so Ottawa and Boston, both in the Atlantic. And then Calgary and San Jose, both in the Pacific. 
I think, yeah, I think both are really susceptible. Um, I think Tampa's in there, so it means one yep. team's obviously not going to make it. Um, I could see Ottawa just because Eric Carlson, uh, we don't know when he's exactly going to come mm-hmm. back and what he's going to look like. With Mark Mathot no longer there, that's another guy that you're missing on the back end. Can look, Tom Shabbat be the new Mark Mathot? Maybe it's a probably lot not in year one, but yeah, it's a lot to ask. Um, and I also think that just, you know, they're really Craig Anderson away from, like, if he gets hurt, um, he's very important to their team. Yeah. So I I think both those teams are susceptible. Another one, I just think things could go off the rails in a hurry as much as people are picking them for the conference final is Toronto. Um, Frederick Anderson misses any significant time this season. You're looking at going to a backup tandem of Garrett Sparks and Curtis McElhaney. Yeah, so the, any team, like there's probably 20 teams in the NHL that are worried if yeah. their number one goalie goes down. Like Carey Price was a prime example in Montreal a couple years ago. So, but the, then really, like, how about if Morgan Riley and a Jake Gardner get hurt as well? So well, the, the, that's injuries the cap- can hurt. Anyone, that's the caveat right? with last year's Leafs team is that they barely got hurt, and I'm not even exaggerating. Right. They were like t- bottom five in, in injuries. And everyone had career years. Yeah. Kadri had a career year. Van Riemsdyk had a career year. Bozak had a career year. You can basically go up and down that lineup, and everyone either exceeded expectations or was a rookie that just came up. So. And hey, it could happen again. But at the same time, you have to factor in, you know, sort of lever- leveling out at least right. on 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 individual levels. For example, Bozak. Does he really? Does is that was that really him last year? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I you know what, I think two teams that are going to make it out of the East. Uh, I think Tampa Bay and the Islanders are. I would pick them as non-playoff teams that are going to make the playoffs. And right now I'm thinking Boston and Ottawa um, don't make it. Yeah, because so the Metro, I think, is going to send five teams, and then the Atlantic is going to send three. So if you think of the Atlantic, you go, okay, Tampa, yes. And I'm thinking Toronto's a yes. Um, And then it comes down to, in my head, Montreal-Boston, maybe Ottawa as as the third one. Like that's sort of the dogfight. I think Detroit's a no- Buffalo's not going to be close enough, and at Florida's a bit of a wild card. Carolina could be a, a sneaky team. Yep. So yeah, in the Metro, you. Oh, sorry, you ever done? Yeah, but but if you if you go to the Metro, then five teams, you're going to say Pittsburgh's a lock. Washington's going to fall, but not not out of the playoffs. Uh, you think New York Rangers are probably going to make the playoffs? That's three right there. Philly, and then you have the Islanders, Devils, Columbus, and Carolina. So I mean, it could end up being four and four, um, but we'll see. I think the Metro's still still a stronger division. But um, when you when you look to the Pacific, let's let's move over there. Um, I think Calgary's a good team. I think uh, adding Travis Hominick makes their top four, uh, probably a top three uh, defense in the league next to uh, Nashville and uh, definitely definitely Carolina's up there. Oh, Anaheim. That's what I was thinking of. Anaheim, Nashville, Calgary are probably your top three defense. Um, so in the Pacific, uh, you think the Central's probably going to take five. Like, let's face it, that's such a strong division. They're probably going to take five spots. So in the Pacific, the candidates are Anaheim, Calgary, Edmonton. I don't know if LA is really a candidate. San Jose. So, you know, someone's got to lose out there. Yeah. So I, the way I look at it, I just think who's going to make the playoffs that's not. And Dallas, I think, is a playoff team. I think you'd agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. And Winnipeg 
is going to take someone's spot, I think. I think this is the year. So can a Nashville fall out? Can a St. Louis fall out? And I think those are the two teams out of the Central that I would say are really susceptible. I think Chicago and Minnesota are fairly confident. They're locks. Um, Nashville, I, I don't know. Like, like there must be five teams that go from Central, the Central. Like there's six that you could say are playoff teams. Chicago, Dallas, Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, Winnipeg. Like, there's strong arguments for all those teams making the playoffs. Yeah. It's gonna be a fun race. Like, let's be honest. Like, it, it's really hard to say like which of those teams is not gonna make it. Yeah. It's, it's always a team that at the beginning of the year you're going. Well, of course, Tampa Bay is gonna make the playoffs. Are you kidding? <laughs> like, I've got them penciling for the Stanley Cup. Well, then Steven Stamkos gets hurt, and then well, an, an injury bug goes through their lineup, and all of a sudden they miss it out by one point. So. To say right now you're going, okay, well, maybe Nashville doesn't make it or maybe Chicago doesn't make it um, because of all the changes that happen. You're going, are you crazy? Of course they're going to make it. Well, what if Patrick Kane gets hurt? Or what if um, this happens and they go through the slump that no one really kind of foresaw? So uh, I think what we're getting at is it, it really is kind of hard to pick who's going to be there. But I'd be hard-pressed to believe that Dallas is in the playoff team yeah. and they're going to take someone's spot. So. Um, look at those teams that made the playoffs and whether it's Calgary, whether it's San Jose, or even whether it's Anaheim, um, one of those teams is not going to be there. All right. Let's talk about your cup, uh, prediction as a last topic. So I want a finalist and a winner. Um, who's coming out of the East for you and who's coming out of the West? I like Tampa out of the East and I picked them last year out of the East as well. So as a lot of people did, yeah, take a, take it with a grain of salt, but. Um, I think Stamkos is healthy, and it's a mighty big if because he's dealt with some injuries over the last number of years. But uh, what we what we've seen out of Kucherov and what we've seen out of that forward group, including some of the young guys like a Braden Point, uh, that's a team that is not even close to really scratching the surface as to what they can do. Um, a lot's going to depend on Vasilevsky and that whether he can take a jump. Uh, I'm curious to see if Sergachev can steal one of the spots on defense if he can. Watch out for all the hate going towards um, Mark Bergevin <laughs> yeah, in no Montreal. Kidding. But they're, they are a complete team in my mind. Um, I think with Pittsburgh winning two years in a row, um, I don't see them being as, as deep uh, of a playoff run type of team as before. I still think Washington is one of those teams that's going to be – there's going to be question marks until they actually get there. So Tampa Bay from the east, from the west, I really like Dallas. I like the addition of Mark Mathot. I like the addition of Ben Bishop. I like having Ken Hitchcock coaching that team and probably a little bit more health up front with uh, Sagan and Ben. So uh, that's going to be a dangerous team as always. Um, those are my two teams. And who's going to win? Make you, I'm going to make, you I, I think make Tampa, a prediction. I think Tampa wins. Okay. So six months from now, I'll, uh, I'll bring that up or something. Okay. Find me a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, my two horses in the East are the Penguins and the Lightning. So you sort of – that's sort of the same two guys – um and but I would I would I would think Pittsburgh makes it in the final but I think they lose to the Stars who are neck and neck with the Oilers um and mostly the loss comes in Pittsburgh hitting a wall after making the finals for a third year and you're talking about injuries earlier like I wouldn't be surprised if if when they make the playoffs guys start dropping like flies and I also I'm also sort of cheering for this this final in my head because they're built similarly the stars and the penguins in regards to being top heavy up front i think the stars defense is probably 
probably better than Pittsburgh's, but not by by a large amount. Um, and then they both have good goaltending. Uh, we'll see what Ben Bishop does. Um, so it's sort of like uh, you know Hitchcock versus Sullivan ends up being uh, the battle in the final, and I just think that would be uh, a fantastic show. But I would pick the Stars based on wear and tear on the Penguins. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm also curious to see whether this year a Canadian team can kind of take that step. And, you know, looking around the league, it's not as dire as it used to be. Um, I think anyone um, believes that Edmonton can make a push for the the cup final this year and potentially win a cup. Um, Toronto's not that far away. With the additions that Calgary made with Mike Smith and on the back end, um, they look like a team that, you know, could possibly make some noise in the playoffs as well. So, and then with Winnipeg, we're just we're, we just keep waiting for them to get to the playoffs. When they get there, uh, again, um, who knows what Mark Shifley and company are going to do? So, there's a lot of intriguing story. And even Montreal, like Carey Price, you can never really count them out. Well, the thing about the Canadian teams is that you know Matthews in Toronto, McDavid in Edmonton. Um, I guess Calgary has more of like a, a multiplayer monster. Um, but then Montreal with Price, like these are these are elite, elite, elite players that can take Some their the teams best on runs. Players at their positions. Yeah. So like like if if the Oilers didn't have McDavid, if the Oilers didn't have McDavid, I think they make the playoffs. But they're not a cup contender. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's that they have actual difference makers now. Yeah. Like which we is saw Eric Carlson literally like. There you go, another Canadian. I don't think like Ottawa doesn't even get to the playoffs. Never mind get to. Uh, double overtime of game seven of the conference final but eric carlson just spinning his magic so it, it is actually interesting to see like you're not it's not far-fetched to say like okay this could be the year a canadian team makes it granted neither of us picked one but <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised yeah. right like if it's edmonton versus montreal in the final and make david's hoisting the cup but i don't think uh, that's crazy it's not crazy to think so all right mike it was a pleasure uh having you in and hopefully it wasn't too painful for you that was fun Beautiful view out here. <laughs> Beautiful view of uh, some other, I think it's an apartment building, maybe an office building. All right, thanks again. All right, enjoy the season.